Welcome to Biz Takeouts, Biz Community's sound bite-sized news to go. Made possible by ACA, Association for Communications and Advertising. I'm your host, Rutendo Nyamuda. Coming up on today's show, Moniswa Pezisa, Group Chief Executive Officer at Network BBDO, and Mzamo Masito, Chief Marketing Officer at Google Africa. Many years ago, we had concepts and projects whereby an interns used to work on both sides. One spent three months at agency, spent three months at client or on the marketing side. They come back, they really are much richer and, and, and the questions they ask in a briefing or in a strategy session are much more informed. It's time for Biz Takeouts. Earlier this year, you were a guest speaker at the ACA webinar. You touched on topics such as the need to transform client agency, stakeholder partnerships, contractual agreements and, and models. What are the opportunities for change and what really needs to happen? The, the issue for me is we've all, both agencies and clients, we've all been very naughty. Because, uh, And I use the word naughty advisedly because since the days we started talking about transformation, we've basically marginalized that, that whole big exercise and the job that transformation is really focuses on, basically on gender and race. Yet for me, if this industry is going to be future-proofed and, and, and really be what it needs to be, I mean, we're in Africa, it's the home of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, let, let's use it properly. So, so what am I talking about? I, I just find um, over the years, and it's not only in South Africa, I mean, the, 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 the agency revenues, the margins have been shrinking for a while. And, and that impacts on transformation in every sense of the word, because with transformation, there's a need to, the need to share new skills and upgrade people, etc., etc. And, and therefore, when the margins just keep going one way, i.e. down, it, they, they impact negatively on, on, on transformation. So I do believe that um, contractual obligations, financial agreements, ways of working also needs to be transformed. And by transformation for me, I sit on both sides, not on just agency side, etc. Because if you sit back, how many female, black female CMOs are there or whatever? You know what I'm saying? We really are not focusing on this properly. So let's do it properly and do it right. So um, therefore, what is required is, yes, to really bring fresh talent. Fresh talent fuels the agency, brings in creativity and innovation. And a lot of it comes from young people. However, young people need to be trained, whether it's on the marketing side or on our side, they need to be trained and we've got to be intentional about it. Many years ago, we had concepts and projects whereby an interns used to work on both sides. One spent three months at agency, spent three months at client or on the marketing side. They come back, they really are much richer and, and, and the questions they ask in a briefing or in a strategy session are much more informed and, and make both sides of the fence much more interesting rather than what we have now. You know what I'm saying? Um, and therefore, for me, those are the transformations that are required on the contracts and the commitment must be on the same side 
on the financials. So you allow both sides to really invest in training and developing people correctly and therefore enrich the industry rather than what we have now, which feels like a swim or swim and there's no wiggle room to, to really develop people and develop them properly. Nzamo, what are your thoughts on transformation? I really like what Boniswa mentioned when she said, you know, even taking the interns, teaching them, training them from a, from a younger age, that when they're in those positions, they've also been trained and they have the skill sets. What are your thoughts on transformation? I think the most important thing, of course, always is who are we transforming for? And, and why are we transforming? So the, the first part is who are we transforming for? Of course, is we want to create content that is helpful and useful and relevant to the end user that we're serving. So actually we want to do this because we want to serve the consumer honorably at a profit. So that's the end goal. And so that's why it makes business sense to do it. Mm. Of course, for South Africa or the continent of Africa to not add the moral sense in it is also then wrong. So it's also, there's a moral imperative to it because we have to redress the imbalances of the past. We can't get great output to the end user without the great input. So as already indicated, we need a more representative um, internal structure as in gender, race, LGBTQ, you name it, like a language. I mean, almost over 90% of the ads here tend to be in English, TV advert. For who? Who's the end user? Because only less than 8% of South Africans' English is first language at home. And so who are we making these ads for? So everything should always be at the end. Who are we serving? And when we do this transformation, how does it benefit the end user? And we still have a long way to go. The truth is we have a long way to go in how many black-owned agencies do we have in South Africa? And also we have a long way to go in defining what does black-owned mean? What's the definition of black-owned? Mm-hmm. Because some of these BE structured deals, I am illiterate on this BE structured deal, so I get confused. I don't always know, is it black-owned or is it technically black-owned because there's a structure behind it? So that also is something we need to unpack as well. And most definitely, transformation, when done well, will serve the end consumer well at a profit. Absolutely, I agree with Nizamo fully. It's mutuality is what is required in all of this. Nizamo is saying, who for? Because the intention, I think, when we all started was good. And we all got lost because sometimes money has other introduces other things. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because we become greedy, etc. And the more you make, you don't want to share, you don't want to transform, you don't want to take things where they should be going. And that's why we where we are. You know, what I love Zamos talk, talks about language. Language evolves and culture evolves and it is rich. And when we are not doing this transformation properly, we miss out on those things. And the brand growth then is stunted. Let's all be honest. And therefore business and the economics and all of those things are not benefiting. And this transformation in every sense of its its intention was meant to actually grow the economy, improve people's lives. Um, 
it doesn't make sense to have people who have no understanding of what to do, what, what we do benefiting. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, the conversations, especially about the financial side of, of this transformation are, are quite interesting at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we need to be truly transparent and committed to it on both sides. So, you know, as, as a black person, I shouldn't accept to be used mm-hmm. by, by someone just because I'm going to be a front and the the person in front and yet behind me, they are the real decision makers. They're the people who are making money. And the same on the other side from a client point of view. The client's going, oh, they've got level two. That's fantastic. Doesn't check whether that's real. I mean, Zamo's point is, is quite interesting. There's technical BE and there's a real BE. What is that all about? Mm-hmm. And I think when we go beyond the scorecard, and look at the real nuts and bolts of it and the true beneficiaries of it, then we, this, this, this thing will improve mm. and the transformation will be real. And, and for me, then, that's when, when we look at the, at, at the truth of it um, and, and the real intention of it as to why, why are we doing this? What, why is it relevant okay, to my business? And how is it going to benefit everybody? Then it would will, it, it will really be a different conversation. Mm, definitely and and even on that point um in terms of being in the room uh where some of these really big decisions are being made both of you are at you know the top of of both of the organizations you you work for mzamo you describe yourself oftentimes uh on on social media on platforms as a pan-africanist i want to find out for you what does it feel like or what does it mean to you to be um, at the head um, or in, in such an, a position, position of influence rather at a multinational digital company like Google? It's a responsibility, but one, you know, my grandmother used to say to me, when you are visible, your job is to make others become visible. Mm-hmm. So your job is not to hawk the light. And and basically load shed everyone and you're the only one who has the light and that's really bad leadership in a sense Mm -hmm. so the way i see it is that i i have an interest which is aligned to the company that i work in which is i would like to see africa regenerate again because i know that africa was great at some point before the berlin conference before colonization before apartheid I have enough historical evidence that Africans are smart, intelligent, capable. I know it's possible. So now the only thing that I'm here is to use the Google mission, partner with Google and use the power of technology to democratize opportunity for Africans. And how do we do that using technology? So that's the only thing now is my responsibility is kind of like now as in, I need to figure out a way how in partnership with Google to use the power of technology and the power of Google products and services to democratize helpfulness, Mm. to democratize opportunity to every African, whether it be a small medium business owner, a black owned small medium business owner, an education, any of those that will help or expect or professional, if it will help democratize helpfulness and opportunity this is how it feels like to me anyway every day when i wake up i have to remember why and i said okay it's the mission 
to democratize opportunity, to democratize helpfulness. And if I could do that through the power of the brand called Google and its technology and partners, then I sleep well at night. Mm. And personally for you, and even within the Google organization, where do you feel the opportunities are for global brands such as Google? Uh, on the African continent right now, where do you see the biggest opportunities are? It's, it's mul- it's, I would say it's multiple areas or pillars. The first pillar is around, you can't have 4IR, without its inputs or basic factor inputs, which is access to technology. So you're gonna have to have to democratize access to technology, network infrastructure, 4G, 3G, uh, 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 fixed Wi-Fi, voice over IP, all of those things, you have to give them to people Mm -hmm. and everyone must have access to it. We need to get to a point where we have 100% access to network infrastructure for every African. The second one is data pricing. Data prices needs to go down mm. for every African. And they need to be cheap as percentage of GDP per capita or as percentage of income. It needs to go down even cheaper than bread or the staples. The mm. third one is affordable smart devices. We need affordable smart devices. And currently, bulk of Africa is offline. 800 million Africans are offline. Only 400 million Africans are online. Mm. Even the ones that are online, majority of them have basic phones. They don't have smart devices. They have basic phones with storage problems, battery life problems, resolution problem, speed problem, even electricity, charge, battery life. So it's, we still have a long way to go in, in delivering affordable smart devices. Then the last one is education on access as a pillar. We need to improve quality of education in the continent so that we can produce more quality STEM or STEAM graduates. We don't have them at the moment. We have so little of them. We don't have enough coders. We don't have enough programmers. We don't have enough AI specialists or quantum computing specialists. We don't even have enough maths and stats graduate or engineers, physics, you name it. So we still have a long way to go in that area. That will be the first pillar where companies need to look at. The second one is around enabling Africans to make money now. So helping small medium businesses, informal market. Informal market and small medium businesses, that's where most of employment is generated all over the world. 60 to 70 of employment comes from informal and small medium businesses. So now we need to do that at scale. The other third area for Africa is women. Because we know that women have a higher economic multiplier than men. It's, it's sad to say this, but it's the truth that when a woman gets given $1, it multiplies and moves further than a man. We guys are not as always responsible. So if we empower women, we empower a community. We empower the whole village. We empower, so that's another third area for me. And then you have roundabout areas on the future of work, getting people ready for the future of work as a fourth area, whether it be digital skills, whether it be getting them ready, know how to use the computer, how to access the computer, how to use it to make money, not just to empower you. And then the last one is do good. How do we use technology to do good, even if it doesn't generate profit this year? But how do we use it to do good while also chasing profit? Such, such 
important, important key aspect, especially when you talk about technology uh, in South Africa on the African continent, when you speak about access, uh, knowledge is power, but you need to be able to access the knowledge in order to have that power. Boniswa, I want to come back to you quickly. Um, in your previous ACA presentation, you posed a very interesting question. You said, how do we create new cooperative working spaces? Um, which is also very interesting in this time where the idea of even working is starting to change. So I just want to understand from your perspective, what did you mean uh, by these cooperative working spaces? So, I mean, and I, I use the word space loosely, so it doesn't mean a place where we all congregate every day. Um, and to Zama's point, isn't it amazing that what has bailed companies at the moment is technology? And yet we treat technology as if it's such a complex thing. And yet overnight, grandmas, mothers became Zoomster teachers or Google, you know what I'm saying? They learned to get onto Google Hangouts very quickly and put education through. So what, what technology has done, it has um, broken barriers for me. And if there is one thing that we got out of this COVID pandemic is that it's broken barriers. And so for me, cooperative spaces are, you know, we, we, there's this distance between client and agencies where we want to show it to you when it's perfect. And when we do it in a way that we are partners and we collaborate and we cooperate upfront, so we co-create with you upfront, that's what I meant by cooperative working spaces. Where client and I, if you've appointed me, you've given me a contract, you've got to trust me and, 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 and trust that what I bring to the table is for your good and for the, so your good as in, at the end of the day, it will grow market share, it, it, it will grow your business. At the same time in return, I get a benefit from that. And therefore, when we are integrated, and that's what I'm trying to find integrated, once upon a time, we used to have, um, we still do, but it's, it's not as formalized, where you could have agency people sitting at client and understanding how to work with clients and then also sharing ideas with them early so, so and sometimes ideas are still born because of that because right up front they're going well no you're not addressing this business objective so what i mean by that really cooperative spaces i'm talking mindset in terms of how we work how we cooperate how we collaborate at the end of the day and and i mean i love what Nzamo spoke about because it talks to education, and I don't know why. When did education becomes it become a luxury item? Because it has become that, whether it's formal or informal, it's become a luxury thing. You know, um, it's better for me to hog rather than share and be helpful and partner, so that we the pie grows. I mean, when we are mutually beneficially in, in our beneficiating in our mindset and in our objectives, in our approach, things get better. Mm. And Mzamo, what are your uh, opinions on the cooperative working spaces? Uh, is this something that we might see Googleplex uh, models taking on in Africa, across the creative, communal, educational spaces um, or areas as well? It's possible because fortunately, I always say to you, the joy with Africans is they are already communal. Yes. So 
that's the beginning. So at least you're not starting from zero. You're starting at a foundation of people who naturally and instinctively know how it feels like or to be communal. Mm -hmm. So then the only thing now is we have been living in under such an individualistic, we've kind of been fed certain cultures and we take them, when we get to business, we just assimilate that culture rather than say, what is it that it already is in our culture that we can also infuse in business? Because what is now being talked about as incorporated is actually instinctively, as an African, I can tell, that is actually a call to say, why don't we decolonize a little bit of the business as well and bring some of what naturally is, is something that Africans know how to do. And we know that when we do it, we know the results, it works. And we also know individual brilliance will win you a game, but it takes a team to win a tournament. So we know this already, that no sport, only individual brilliance will win you a game, but not the tournament. The tournament, it takes a team. And we know this great creative and great creative output and great ideas come from these collaborative spaces. And some of the ideas that we even have come from small startups that collaborate with Google or that collaborate with agencies or some of the ideas that we end up with come from partnership with agency and client. We're uh, not going to create great work. Bonisa, question to you coming back to kind of the transformational side of uh, the conversation is in South Africa and internationally as well, there have been so many traumatic socioeconomic events that have taken place. Uh, we've had the Black Lives Matter movement We've had the gender-based violence uh, marches against gender-based violence in South Africa. We're looking at COVID-19. Um, there is a lot that is being unearthed in society at the moment. Um, do you think that all of this is also contributing to some sort of transformational turnover? Also just showing what has maybe been in our soil for quite some time. Um, and, and if we are transforming this, in your opinion, what would the newness look like? You know, the, the, it is not a question you can answer in one minute uh, because these are deep ingra ingrained issues in society as a whole. I mean, the Black Lives Matter is not a South African issue. It's across the, the globe. At the same time, it requires... Um, I'm going to call it psychotherapy on all levels. And what I mean by that is... One, at home, when we bring up our children, we, as mothers, as fathers, we've got to be joined, in this thing, joined in, at the hip at this thing. And really, if we are about to, we need to talk equality from a young age, okay? I'll tell you quite an interesting story. When I, when I, I, I got married, I, was the, I always say I'm the most fortunate woman because my mother-in-law came to live with me and help me bring up my children so I could continue with my career. But there was a change. The first child born was a girl. Everything was amazing and we caught on very well. The second child born is a boy. The language changes. So I hear things like, he's the king of the household and I'm going, this little love is the king of the household. Can, can we just change the language here? And this is coming from mom, okay? Not even from dad, from mom. And so we need to change how we look at these things because when we bring them up, we bring them with equality and understanding and respect 
for the other human being and understanding that no is a sentence, a full paragraph sometimes, and no is no. You do not go beyond that, even when they're playing in the playground. So, so, so for me, it's, quite, it's, it's a journey we need to walk in, in terms of getting to deal with the issues of GBV. At the same time with girls, the girls respect who they are and what they stand for. And also their word then must carry weight. So, so, so there's a lot that needs to be done. I don't think it's a men issue only. I think it's a joint issue and, and we need to come at it with one intention of healing this nation or healing one ourselves as, 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 as black people. At the same time, the other side has got to understand that their fears have to go away at some point. There is no sub um, human. And that is, it really is joined from me, black, white, yellow, green, black, female. It's got to be this, we've got to come at this with intention. It's not about slogans. It's not about campaigns because all our campaigns are failing. So if you remember in South Africa, we have uh, 16 days of um, whatever it, it is. I mean, that's how much it means to me anymore. And during that period, we have the worst statistics. Why is that? So we need to get really, really deep in that. Whether we, even in religion, because you have ministers also talking really poorly to their own audiences about female ministers, etc. So there's a lot that needs to be done. Um, and I'm hoping this time, happening at the time where the world is really looking at its underbelly, maybe it's the time where we really look at these things properly and begin to engage in a respectful and a absolute humility and a sense of renewal. And Mzamo, would you want to add uh, anything to what Bonisa has said? I think she's just beautifully articulated a number of things that we need to look at and address. Uh, but is there anything you would like to add? As a black male, like Bell Hook says, like we have the privilege of that we are oppressed, yet we are oppressive. Mm. So we do both mm. at the same time. Sometimes we're the slave, but sometimes we're the master slave. And we are mostly oppressive to women, particularly black women. That's the audience I know very well that we are oppressive to, and we are also oppressive to kids as well. And so kids and women are the kind of biggest beneficiaries of our pain as black men. There's also a story around the white woman who's also oppressed, but also oppressive because sometimes she's part of the problem. Yeah. Because in transformation, she's partly a beneficiary, but also she's partly not an ally. So that's also something we need to openly and honestly talk about. But if I focus on black men, I think there's still a lot of work to do in redefining what it means to be a man. In, in, I mean, violence begets violence. No yeah. child learns to be violent at age 22. You see it at age four, when your father hits your mother, when, when your uncle is abusive, when the people are womanizing on the street, when everyone is an alcoholic, when if you see it, so you don't become it, you are it at age four or five. And so that means there's a lot of work we need to do as society to redefine what it means to be a man, but also redefine trauma or help us. There's a lot of therapy work that is needed amongst black men on trauma and 
childhood wounds. Because for example, me, my father abandoned me when I was less than 18 months. So I am a walking product of abandonment. What does that do then to the next person I meet? You mm. see the, so we have a lot of work to do just as men. Mm. I can't talk about other races, so I can only talk about the race I'm, I know so well, which is black men. But there's also some work that needs to be done on others in South Africa, particularly Indian and white females. It's conversation we don't want to talk about. But in this country, we had a race pyramid. Not everyone was as in excluded at the same pyramid. And some people got better packs than others, depending on where they existed on the pyramid. And now the question to those who are slightly were beneficiaries, even though they were also oppressed, what are they doing in being allies in this transformation chain? Are they genuinely allies or are they part of the problem? You know, what is, what is very interesting is oftentimes is I think on, on so many levels, someone at some point in their lives either were discriminated against or treated differently because of how they look or sound or act or because they belong to a specific community. And it's so interesting that when it doesn't affect you, sometimes it looks like people don't want to participate because it doesn't affect them. Um, I think the issue, sorry, Tenda, as, oh. as humanity, it's very easy to wear blinders. Okay, if it doesn't affect me, I'll wear blinders and pretend I don't exist. Yet it's a human problem. Okay, mm. so if, if when you when I do something to you and you bleed the same blood, then it means I've got to do something. And the, the 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 discrimination, especially in South Africa, which is a country I know better, um, is it, it is so deep as Nzamo says because the structure was this, that, that, and therefore at the bottom of that was this big black mess, okay? And everyone turned a blind eye on that. And now we're doing the opposite of it. You know what I'm saying? It's a conversation that is imperative to be held Mm. and be held honestly and let's cleanse ourselves and really go through this because if we don't go through this crucifixion, if I can use that, that, that uh, phrase, we're never going to get onto the resurrection. We, we can't. We need to go through this pain in order to really, really understand each other's pain and each, where we all come from. And so, Bonisa, uh, staying on you, I guess my question is, where does one start? There are elements of this that are, you know, on a personal level, we've got this on a societal level, we've got this in corporate and I'm sure both of you can even speak to, to issues that have been happening or that can relate in a corporate level. Where is a good starting point? It's, it's everywhere. I, I know at home it's critical, as Nzamo says. It is critical at home. We've got to have this conversation at home. We, we've got to have it everywhere. You, 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 because you can't isolate. It's happening everywhere at every level, uh, whether it's corporate, whether it's, it's in it's shopping centers, wherever it is. We've got to tackle it correctly everywhere but we've got to be intentional and align on what the the the, the, the on on the outlook and the output that we all want mm-hmm. it, my view it needs to happen everywhere mm-hmm. um because you, you can't you, you know you, you you can't leave certain sectors behind as Nzamo said you know i remember sitting in a in a meeting and 90 percent of the people were were, were black people 80% of them were black men 
who all of a sudden, I just realized, oh, men are just sitting there on their side. And it was a transformation conversation. I'm going, oh, okay, so the men are going to transform alone. And now as the sisters, we need to transform alone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And already when we start doing that and not seeing each other as humans, we see each other as these different species. That's where things change. So it's got to happen everywhere. It's got to be a conversation I freely have with my children. It's a conversation that I freely have with my staff, with my peers, with my black, white, whatever race they are. It's got to be freely had, that conversation. But it's got to happen. And yeah. Mm. I mean, I talk on this the whole day. <laughs> and Zama, from your side, anything else to add? For me, I once read a quote that said, prejudice is a long-term emotional commitment to ignorance. So at the core of most of these things, whether you're homophobic, you're xenophobic, you're racist, you're ageist, at the core of it is actually ignorance. And the challenge with ignorance, it lowers your IQ. And the challenge with ignorance, it increases fear. And fear increases hate. And that which you fear and hate, you exclude. And now this is the biggest issue for me is that we as South Africans, black, white, colored, Indian, we also have to do the work, individual work first. Because you have to do the work on yourself. You have to study your own country's history. And then you have to then go to your own kind and stop wanting to save other races when you should be talking to your own first. Just sort out your family. Like now Bonisa says, talk to your kids, educate them about the apartheid, educate them about colonization, educate them. Don't be ashamed of what your ancestors did. Just own it. And then we can move on together. That's the first part for me is just do the work. Reduce ignorance. Because the less ignorance you have, the less fear and hatred you're going to have, the more inclusive you will become. Then the next one is if it's an institution, There's only really four institutions I think have been instrumental in colonizing Africans. Maybe they will also be instrumental in decolonizing Africans. The first one is the church, the religion. The religious institutions have a lot of work to do in helping become part of the solution and use the scripture to start decolonizing the mind and the spirits of the African and racial integration using the scripture and stop dividing us, but rather figure out a way how to use God and Jesus, Prophet Muhammad, has be thy name, all of them to unite us, not to divide us. That's the first part, the religious institution. Schools, they need to change the curriculum. The current curriculum is still Western-centric and it's still designed to make black kids feel inferior, to make white kids to feel superior. And there needs to be a new teaching pedagogy from teachers as well who are a lot more inclusive. There needs to be a redesign on inclusive teaching and inclusive curriculum. Then the third one is business, because all these ones have been used to colonize, so they must also be used to decolonize. Then business. Business has to do two things. One, internal representation at board level the country must reflect the, the country's demography. Educate your own staff, walk the talk. Then externally, pick one or two things that you, you will lead and systematically bring about change. Mm-hmm. So if we do these things, 
I feel like at least we stand a chance because the family, that's my responsibility. I can't be expecting government to fix the fourth institution called family. That's my responsibility. That's Boniswa. That's everyone's responsibility to fix their own kids. So that I stop asking my daughter when she comes home that my friend is John and I say, is he white? Why am I so obsessed with John's race when my daughter is just telling me that John is her friend? And the first question I ask is, is John white or is John gay? Man, what does it matter? So that me as a father, I need to fix my own family. Then the last three institutions, the church, the school and business needs to become part of the solution. At the moment, these three institutions haven't earned the right to speak. They are not yet part of the solution. And that's a wrap on today's show. Biz Takeouts. Take it where you like it, when you like it how you like it.